0: Welcome back. I know it's been a little bit of a delay since our last show, but, you know, the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, family gatherings, and all the bowl games. We're glad to be back, though. You know, we're, we've got a lot to cover tonight. Uh, going to hit up some portal talk. We're going to hit up, uh, you know, some of the you know, the bowl games that we missed. Obviously, going to talk about the semifinals. Going to talk, go in depth on this national championship game, what we see moving you know, forward for these teams. Uh, you know, we got you know, fan questions, so uh, kick back and uh, you know, listen to uh, this episode with us and you know, hope you enjoy it. Uh, and remember, always send us questions, we we like talking about it. Uh, so first, you know, big news today was the the Quinn John Judkins thing. I, and Trevor, uh, he's been covering the portal like you know, like a freaking madman here. He's gonna give you the you know, the, the skinny on what all is going on with you know, old Miss and with you know. Uh, now Ohio State, there's a lot going on out there. So Trevor, please let us know what's on. happening.
1: Well, there is a lot going on. Uh, first and foremost, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> uh, glad to be back. And uh, you know, uh, we'll just start off with the with the I guess the most important piece of news so far is that Florida State finally found their heir apparent to Travis, <laughs> to their to their uh, injured quarterback, and as DJU committed to Florida State. So uh, next year will be fun watching the Clemson Florida State game and figuring out if Club Club me in my face will do actually be better than DJU or will DJU just club him in the face? So you never know. You never know how that's going to play out. But I, that's good for DJU. I think I think uh, he he got what he needed out of Oregon State and it'll it'll be a good thing for him. Uh, second second news that I found out on the way home from work this. This evening is that Will Howard has, uh, verbally committed to Ohio state. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Will Howard is, he's the former quarterback of the Kansas state, whatever cats, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, that, that, I mean, he was Will Howard along with the center from Alabama, who has, is a household name at this point in time, uh, they both are scheduled to be up at Ohio state this coming weekend, um, for a visit. Now it is, cu- it's curious that will Howard already said he's co- verbally committed. Um, but he's still taking the visit this, this coming weekend. So it'll be interesting to see, but, um, it looks like if all things are considered will Howard, that he's like, as far as I'm concerned, will Howard's kind of one of those, uh, He's a Kyle McCord, but a little better version of Kyle McCord. So I don't really, I don't really see the the ancillary benefit. He's a little bit more mobile, but uh, it'll get it done. So a quick review of the transfer portal. Last time we talked, uh, the top ten kind of went like this for the teams in the transfer portal: Colorado, Ole Miss, Louisville, TCU, Texas Tech, South Carolina, U- University of Kentucky. Arizona, NC State, and USC rounded out the top 10 as far as transfer portal teams and their impact goes. It has been a bit of a shakeup, actually, with the, with, the, with the top 10 now. Now it is Ole Miss, Colorado, TCU at three, Louisville at four. NC State has jumped from nine to five in the transfer portal as far as what they have done in the transfer portal. Indiana is now at six. Texas A&M at seven, USC at eight, Purdue at nine, and Texas Tech at rounding out the top ten of teams in uh, the impact that they've done on the transfer portal. As far as the top recruits that are still available, that is has actually quite quite changed quite dramatically over the past couple weeks. With uh, and I'm going to pass it over to Blake uh, to talk about a little bit about some of the other. Uh, recent transfers that have coming out of Bama, but some of the ones that are, I guess you could say available. Yeah. We'll say available. So we still have Evan Stewart, his, who is yet to commit to anywhere. And he is the very, very talented wide receiver out of Texas A&M. He has yet to make any announcements on, on where he wants to go. Strangely enough. And I heard a few reports that, Cam Ward is still undecided on where he's going to go. And there are now some rumors swirling. I know it's the rumor mill, transfer portal. It's a mess. But there is a rumor that Cam Ward doesn't really want to play college ball anymore. Uh, he he wants to make the jump. So, I I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense since he's been very close close to the chest on where he wants to go or what he wants to do. He basically made an outrageous uh request from the osu uh people asking for like two or three million in nil deals and stuff like that so uh, and osu laughed him out of the room like they're like no that's 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 not gonna be, that's not gonna fly with us so it'll be interesting to see if he lands in the college world or if he we just randomly see him on the draft board one 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 afternoon um, and as part of one of the recruit, one of the quarterbacks out there, but we still have a few good recruits out. The offensive tackle at LSU, Lance Hurd, uh Let's see, uh, AJ Harris out of Georgia, the cornerback, very pretty talented kid. Um, he's he's still out there. Let's see that, and then we have we still have Malachi Nelson, who is probably the I would say the best quarterback available as of right now. I don't really know much about him. Caden Salter also is still available out of Liberty. He has entered the transfer portal as well. So that kind of kind of wraps up my deal. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of transfers. Obviously, from what we knew before the holiday season, uh, we knew that there was a few that were still available that are no longer available. Like Walter Nolan, the top rec- the transfer portal guy, he ended up committing to Ole Miss as a lot of people have probably seen on their different social media platforms. Uh, And, you know, it's a fluid situation because if what I've been told and read is true, there's a window for these playoff teams to uh, get into the portal action and their players get into the portal action as well. So there, there's still a lot of fluidity about this. So uh, with all that said, that pretty much wraps up the portal updates thus far. Um, there's still a lot of unknowns. Will Howard hasn't officially committed. Malachi Nelson still hasn't committed. There's still a few other quarterbacks that are out there for the taking if a team wants to fill a need or just uh, create more competition in the QB room, along with a lot of really good athletes as well. So with that said, uh, Blake, why don't you give us a little rundown of what you know about
2: Alabama and the transfer portal? All right, real quick, on uh, the Cam Ward – situation what I had read was he was in talks with Miami and that he was going to commit to Miami if there was a, a wide receiver I was trying to find the guy's name uh Jeremiah Smith he was going to commit to Miami if Jeremiah Smith transferred or uh, selected Miami over Ohio State and What I had read on Twitter the other day was he even contacted Jeremiah Smith himself and could not convince him to go to Miami, and he has supposedly declared for the draft because of that, according to his agent. But I haven't seen anything official about that other than just his agent stating that. But rolling on into Alabama, after the Michigan game, There is a five-day period where the playoff teams, or the New Year's Six teams, they can enter the transfer portal, and Bama got hit pretty hard. But majority of the players that are leaving, I don't think we're going to make a huge impact anyways. The only ones I personally hated to see go was Eli Holstein and uh, Malik Benson. The rest of them... I like Shaz Preston. I wish he could have stayed and got more playing time, but we're so deep at receiver. I can understand a lot of the receivers leaving, but there's one player in particular that I know all of Bama nation is happy to see go. And he looks like he belongs to the state of Iowa. And his name is Seth McLaughlin. And he's probably the worst center to ever play college football. And, we'll touch on him or I will touch on him when we hit the Bama game later. But I know a lot of Bama nation is happy to see his ass leaving Tuscaloosa and I hope he takes his entire family with him.
0: Yeah, I I know. (laughs) I know a lot of people were, were happy to see him go. And like Trevor mentioned, Ohio state might be a
1: destination. So Trevor, what you got on that one? I hope it happens. I <laughs> hope it happens. Bring on the muff snaps and I'm okay with it. Let's do, let's go. Bring it on. <laughs> hey, he
0: might, you know, if you shift him over to another interior lineman position, maybe. I mean, I, I can't, I think he's blocked pretty decently for, you know, some parts of the game. I mean, Mason Graham was still eating his lunch, but, uh, the snapping was just, you know, and they've seen it all year. Which kind of surprises me. But like like Blake says, we'll we'll get into that uh later in the season or in the season. Later in the episode, uh you can tell we're at the end of the season here. You know, our minds are a little jumbled. But uh yeah, we're we're gonna hit on that here in a little bit. Uh yeah, like like Trevor and, and Blake both mentioned, teams have five day portal window, uh, you know, for once their bowl game is done, you know, for these later, you know, uh games. Uh, so I'm, do, I'm glad they implemented that. That's at least, you know, good for some of these players. However, we didn't notice, like what Blake, uh, Trevor just mentioned with Will Howard, he committed today, which was the sixth day after Ohio State's portal window. So, you know, that that's, you know, just a little coincidence. Maybe, I don't know, keeps Devin Brown on the, you know, the, uh, the roster until the springtime. Uh, so at least they have, you know, some sort of quarterback room because I wonder if he committed yesterday would he would uh brown have have left cuz he posted a, a video on his Instagram where he was not very happy uh, so I don't know you're yeah, you're seeing another uh kind of window just like you would see with uh coaches in the uh letter of intent you know when people and players would sign after signing day back in the old signing day coaches you'd see them get fired like february whatever february 15th or whatever the date mm-hmm. was and they're like oh you know, you're kind of, you're stuck. Sorry recruits. It's kind of the same way now, what you're seeing with their own roster. So interesting thing there. Um, the Malachi Nelson thing, I, just some quick notes um, that I had uh, looks like he's committing to Boise state. I don't think it's official yet, but mm. that is, that's where I've been seeing is he is rumored to be going to Boise state, which is very interesting to me. I, I mean, five-star prospect. Unless he's got some issues, I don't know the guy. I don't want to talk on him, you know, too much. But it just is strange that you'd be the quarterback, you know, one of the top prospects in the nation at USC. The quarterbacks leave, and then you're you just decide to pop smoke and go to Boise State. It's it's interesting. Uh, unless USC is really happy with Miller Moss's performance against uh, Louisville, I, I have no idea. It, it's it's a very strange one um Tammy you picked up a really good defensive end from uh Purdue uh he was a leading sacker I believe in the Big Ten and then of course the the Judkins thing from Ole Miss you know today dropping uh really interesting uh you know apparently there's rumors that he was a cancer in the in the locker room there you know uh even the coaches and uh, some players were were uh what's it called uh retweeting him and uh, subtweeting him. There you go. I almost forgot. It's been a while. Uh, but, yeah, it's just interesting takes, man. This portal's wild. It's hot. And, uh, you know, like, Bama's, you know, guys are finally jumping in. And I'm sure once, you know, Michigan and uh, Washington are done, they're, you're going to see some of their players, you know, jump in as well. It's just part of the game now. Uh, guys, anything on, on portal stuff before we go ahead and get on to some of these games that we missed?
1: All I know is that I want it to change. I want it to change. I want I want them yeah. to put something into place. Like I was I was uh, not to steal people's thunder, but I was listening to Joel Klatt earlier today on my lunch, and I'll tell you what, he made a really good point is that it was it's interesting to think or not I'm sorry, not Joel Klatt. God bless America the cover three, cover three guys out over at CBS, mm. and they made a good point is that if you look at the schedule for the next year's playoff, the first playoff game is December 20th. What else is happens on December 20th? And that is early signing period. Mm-hmm. So if they don't change that and they keep the transfer portal the way it is, that means the transfer portal will be going on while the playoff is going on. Throughout that whole time period, and early signing day period, so these coaches are supposed to be preparing for a playoff, trying to get the recruits they want, and get the transfer portal guys that they want as well, all in that same time. I just feel like they—that's just not. They've got to change something about the about the latter part of the season schedule.
0: Yeah, they they definitely need to. Some something's got to change. NCAA again. Where the hell are you at? What is your actual role in this? Uh, you know, or maybe just get a central you know body to you know work on scheduling and all that. It, something needs to change for sure. Um, Blake, anything else on this before we roll on?
2: I got a point, but I, I'm going to roll it into the Florida State Georgia game. But the NCAA. Okay needs to do something with the player opt out there's got to be mm-hmm. something because if you're going to consider and I, I don't know exactly if players are considered employees at this point or not but in my eyes if you're being paid and you're using your name image likeness you're also using that school to promote that and you should have to play in the game there is no reason that a team should have 20 to 30 players opting out of a bowl game just because Mm -hmm. you're pissed off about a situation that's still dirty to the fans, that's dirty to the school. And I mean, I just think it's bad for the sport, but going into that game, you know, exact, there ain't really much to say about it. It was a slaughter. It was awful. So many dirty words are coming to mind right now, and I'm trying not to say them, but it was that (laughs) bad of a game. I mean, to lose by 60 points, that's that's sad.
0: It is, and like you said, it's embarrassing to the program. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the fans were trying to shake it off. Oh, we don't give a shit. You know, we don't care. Uh, the the players they they felt wrong. You know, we, and I get the sentiments behind you know all of it, but in the end, it still boils down to you just made your entire program look like shit because you wouldn't go and stand up. Even though you were wronged, you decided to fold instead of stand up for and, and make a point. Hey, we're we're going up against a team that also could have been in the playoffs. Let's go show what we could have done with Rodemaker at quarterback at full strength. Show them what we got, you know. But they all decided, uh, you know, against it. Hey, they were they were told, you know, their their players didn't matter. Only one player on the team mattered, so they decided to jump ship. I don't know. I like. I agree with you, Blake. I think it's wrong. You're one. You're getting scholarship money. You're making nil money. You're, you know. I know they may not be called employees yet, but they. I mean, you're you're being given things from this university. I I agree. I think you should have to to play. And uh, I I know you mentioned Blake that there's rumors that you know coaches were talking about you know maybe implementing a rule that if you take nil money or you know something you have to pay back that last year of the NIL that you claimed from that school, if you opt out of the bowl game or something? Uh, One of the
2: things I had seen was, and I don't remember which coach it was, but there were several coaches that he had mentioned. It might have been Kirby Smart, but I I can't say for sure. But he had mentioned something about, in his eyes, if a player takes NIL money and they choose to opt out of the bowl game, they should have to pay like 40 to 50% of whatever they earned that year back to the university for not playing in the bowl game, something like that. And hell, I think they should have to pay it all back, you know, cause the, the school's expecting you to perform on the field for them. And if, just because you don't feel like doing it, that's not an excuse, especially yeah. when now you have players making upwards of a million dollars.
1: Yeah. There's something else I'd like to maybe say about that is like if that happens, I feel like that these people that are offering these nil deals, because let's be real, they're, they're not they're not just oh no problem, we're gonna give you money and no nothing written down on paper. I guarantee you, these are gonna start turning into what what would be like uh, like an NFL contract. Like we'll give you X amount of dollars to play here, and then in the fine print, you will play every game that FSU plays. If mm-hmm. you are healthy to do so or like or just FICU as an example, but like whatever. The, I mean, I feel like that's the natural progression of this thing where, OK, you guys want to give up. No, that's not how that's not why we paid you the money to come here. That's yeah. not why we're paying you the money. We're paying you money to put a face to our pro our stuff and you and you to play for this program. So you got to play for the program. No matter what your feelings are, yeah, I I agree. Something definitely needs
0: to be fixed because there was way too many across the board this year. Uh, again, I I get you know transferring if your coach leaves or something you know for the bowl game whatever, but just sitting out or get declaring for the draft and leaving the rest of your team behind, I I don't like that at all. It doesn't sit well with me. Um, so we briefly talked about you know. The Florida State Georgia game. There's really not much else to be said about it. We're going to go down a couple of the games, you know that that we missed uh, during you know during the break, and just kind of hit uh, you know the high points. Uh, Georgia Tech had a, a good game against UCF. I think that's important for that program moving forward. They're on an uptrend. Uh, Duke found a way to beat Troy, even though they had they were down a lot of players too. Lost Riley Leonard. Uh, Air Force. You know, James Madison's obviously lost a lot of players. A lot of them are going to Indiana. They're following the coach. Air Force found a way to get a win there. Uh, Northwestern was one that, you know, I I really was proud of. Uh, Utah's obviously, they've had a pretty solid year, but they've, you know, they're lackluster at times on offense. Uh, quarterback just couldn't get it going. But this Northwestern team, they, they really rebounded, got a bull win. It's huge for the coach. Uh, moving into next season with the expanded Big Ten, get a little momentum there. Uh, Minnesota got a win against Bowling Green. I know it's Bowling Green, but Minnesota was five and seven. Uh, Kansas a good win against UNLV. Big one that really shocked me was the Louisville game. Uh, <laughs> USC came in there and spanked their ass. I mean, they were without uh, Juwan Jordan, uh, their their main you know point scorer. So yeah that that hurts but still you got walked in the second quarter uh so good for usc they're still in trouble in my opinion moving into next year with the losses on the portal they're losing wide receivers left and right uh quarterbacks you know obviously like i said this miller moss he had a really good game can he do it next year against big 10 defenses <laughs> that remains to be seen you know we'll see i don't want to get old uh, old takes exposed on this one um Oklahoma State went in and beat Texas A&M. Should have followed uh, Trevor's lead there. I, I picked uh, TAMU for one last ride, and, uh, yeah, they, they failed it again. Uh, Virginia Tech, good one against Tulane. West Virginia beat North Carolina. That one was expected. You know, North Carolina, again, lots of opt-outs. It changes the dichotomy of these games, where if it was a regular season, I'd say North Carolina, no doubt. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, probably wouldn't beat Tulane in the regular season. But these things are changing now, so the bowl games are different. And one more thing about it, you know, people say, oh, they don't matter. The games don't matter. Uh, it's just an exhibition. Yeah, I mean, I get it because all these players check out. However, it still counts on the record books, still counts against or for the university, and it counts against your coach. So when people like to say, oh, Harbaugh has, you know, lost you know, six games, six, you know, uh, bowl games, you know, you start saying the same about these other schools. Oh, well, th- it didn't matter. It was just an exhibition. No, that shit counts. And when, the, you know, when your coach is, you know, losing four straight bowl games, five straight, you better believe I'm coming for you, all right? Uh, not that it really matters, but either way. Arizona got a hell of a win against Oklahoma. You know, I know Oklahoma, you know, was out without their quarterback. Still, uh, their, their new quarterback coming in, uh, Jackson Arnold, he's, uh, he's the future of that program. Had three picks. Uh, You know, Arizona and Fafita, they're looking for all the momentum going into next year in the new Big 12. I'm really excited about that program. I think we all are. Uh, Kansas State got a good one against NC State. I really was not expecting that. Uh, But, hey, their new quarterback came in. He had a pretty solid game. Giddens played. Uh, I thought he was leaving. uh, But he had 151 yards. Really good game from him. Rutgers got a good one against Miami. Mizzou, uh, Ohio State. This was a game that was just a defensive struggle the entire game, really until the fourth quarter when Missouri was able to find, you know, a couple of, of uh, good drives in them. Uh, made me feel good about the Michigan-Ohio State game because I thought highly of Missouri. Uh, Ohio State's defense played really well the entire game, but they had no offense. Uh, obviously, they lost some players. Marvin Harrison sat out. Uh, you know, McCord's obviously at Syracuse now. So tough, tough for Ohio State. Uh, and that's why they hit the portal. Uh, Oregon State lost everybody and got blown out to Notre Dame. Clemson got a good win. Again, Georgia, I'm not even going to touch on that one anymore. Ole Miss had a good win against Penn State, though Penn State was down players. Uh, Ole Miss full strength. They did come out and beat them 38-25. Maryland trounced Auburn, which is uh, funny. I know Blake was trolling the hell out of them. Uh, You know, love to see it. You know, Auburn... You might begin uh Cliff Sean Juggins is uh, you know, that that's the rumor out on the mill is you guys are paying some money for that old boy. And then uh obviously you're getting into the New Year's Six bowls, Oregon beat Liberty, LSU had a comeback one against with uh, a you know depleted Wisconsin team. Iowa, we knew their offense was horrible. We thought maybe they'd be able to pick off uh Milton. Well, Milton sat out, you know, and uh you know the new quarterback I'm not even going to say his name right now because I haven't practiced it. He he got in. He had a decent game. People are freaking out about this
1: guy. I was about to uh, say that. Like everyone's losing their mind about Nico Lamaleva. Lamaleva, <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> Whether that's how you pronounce it or not, that's how it's going to be said until otherwise. We're just going to
0: call him the Lama.
1: The uh, Lama. He, he
0: it was. It was the a volunteer Lama. <laughs> but I mean, against a solid you know defense or whatever. I don't know. And then obviously we're going to get into the uh, semifinal games here in a minute. Uh, any any games of those that w- that we mentioned, boys? Anything stick out to you or that you watched and you were impressed with, or just you know you're like, eh, ugly game, don't care.
2: I mean, Ole Miss looked good, but against the depleted Penn State defense, every other game was just kind of. You know, not a bad game to watch. Like, the LSU game was a fun game to watch, but yeah, nothing was impressive to me, really, I don't guess. I mean, Noah Fafita. Mm-hmm. I will say Arizona yeah. looked really good. Uh, yeah. Look,
1: and the all, the one game that I'm going to toot, toot everyone, uh, this guy's horn and this team's horn, is because Missouri. Congratulations on beating a darn near full strength Ohio state team minus one receiver and minus their starting quarterback. It doesn't, it's not their fault that their other quarterbacks keep getting hurt Mm -hmm. because everybody said, Oh, that quarterback's the next coming. Well, he couldn't move the football. Like the (laughs) offense was not moving at all. Yeah. And I I've heard so many people just say, Oh, well, Ohio state lost this and that. I don't give a shit. They're this elite program. They should be able to trot out another quarterback just fine and still have the same offensive line, a couple different wide receivers, you're fine. That goes that speaks all the way to coaching and what the actual atmosphere is. And the same and I would say the same atmosphere I would say for Florida State. It speaks volumes on how they are coached and how that team was put together. That you cannot man up and play. Just one last time for your school, it tells you everything that they have zero pride in the school, and it was all about them this entire season. Same thing for Ohio State; they are all pouty, pouty faced, and don't want to show up against a very good Missouri team. That the defense showed up, Ohio State's defense showed up. Apparently, the offense forgot they had a game. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like I don't whatever. It is what it is. I don't like seeing teams getting pa- getting passes because players decided to do what's best for them. You still have to play the game. You still have to prepare. There was um uh I can't think of the team. God dang it. It was a, it was a Power 5 team and the coach instead of preparing for the bowl game went out recruiting and left mm. the assistant coaches to recruit or uh, put the game plan together and the game plan looked like shit. He just went like it was Auburn. It was Auburn's head coach. <laughs> went, that's what it was. It was Auburn's head coach who went on a recruiting trail and left his assistants to do the game plan, and it obviously was a disaster.
2: He's probably in an alley with a hooker with Judkins trying to get him to come to Auburn. <laughs> He'll <laughs> sit right in in Auburn. Yeah, He's well, throwing blows saying, I, in the middle of the yeah, game.
1: Just, I, I don't like – Especially this time of year, I do not like it allowing co- coaches. Usually, don't get a pass if their team doesn't really show up. The few of these coaches are getting a pass, like Ryan Day and uh, Auburn's head coach, whoever his name is. He'll be gone next year anyway. He, <clears throat> like, <laughs> I, like I mean, I don't give passes.
2: Oh, yeah, you have a responsibility. Also,
1: yeah. And also funny, funny thing about bowl season is that's when if the, the team doesn't really show up, uh, apparently that's when uh, the head coaches t- try to try and look for uh, a scapegoat. And that's what Mac, Mac Brown did in case anyone uh, didn't uh, didn't hear. Uh, he got rid of Gene Chiswick, his defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's usually the first time that your head's on the chopping block. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, really a lackluster season again for for UNC. They had they had shining moments and then they fell apart. You know, at some point Mag Brown's got to probably get moving on. Uh, I, I I don't know what else to say about them. You've got all the all the potential in the world to to you know, be up there in the top of the ACC and uh they just can't they just can't do it. Um, I feel like
1: I feel like the boosters and the whole North Carolina program are perfectly okay with being mediocre. Yeah, it's because, been a while. I mean, a season like the two seasons like this with a quarterback that's supposedly uh, top ten talent, and you can't put together a double digit season, double digit win season. Like, uh, and and he doesn't seem to be be on the hot seat right now. And my only question is why he's done two that done this two years in a row. Or, yeah, I mean, pretty much ever since the past couple years. I mean, he had, uh, what, who's the other quarterback that was at North Carolina before? There you go. Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, him too. Didn't do nothing. Not very impressive at all. I feel like Mac Brown's paying the NFL coaches to draft these guys high, make them (laughs) look good.
0: (laughs) Anything is possible nowadays, man. You never know. Um, Yeah, I I echo what you guys are saying. I, I definitely get it. You know, it's it's a culture thing. Uh, you like said you don't see Ole Miss players sitting against Penn State. Why is why is Penn State's players sitting, uh, or you know, declaring for the draft? I get it. you're great enough to go to the draft. Play one more. These are huge games, and they do matter because again, they count for your program. Uh, again, it's it's the uh, you know, just just the way the, the generation is. Everything's about you and about me. But I guarantee you, you start telling them, hey, we're gonna take your fight your money you know, that you earned here, you know, we're going to, you know, do something, you know, they're, you're going to start seeing these players start sitting back in on these games. Uh, I think Blake mentioned Wisconsin LSU was a hell of a game. That one, that one was really fun to watch. Uh, Tanner Mork, played really well. Uh, LSU's uh, backup quarterback. He came in he played pretty well too. Uh, so, you know, just a fun game. Um I, the Rutgers game, Miami was fun. That Kansas State game was also really good too. Uh, that I watched that, that. that was a fun one. Uh, so if nothing else, boys. I I reckon we'll we'll go ahead and get in these semis games if uh, if you guys don't have anything.
1: I'm good. I mean, uh, a lot of the New Year's Six games kind of came out the way we thought. Uh, I thought Iowa would would have shown a little bit, showed up a little bit more. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, no. They didn't, and Tennessee, they made Tennessee look real good. Yeah, they,
0: defensively they did, you know, they did all right, but again, your your offense keeps giving them field position, and I mean, I, I swear, Iowa's, there, there's got to be somebody other than, you know, who they're trotting out at quarterback, but I don't know. Just, it's embarrassing for Iowa, and honestly, I don't know how Brian Ferentz still, or Kirk Ferentz still has a job. I know he's been there a long time,
1: but. Uh, Jesus I venture to say It has something to do With his contract They don't want to pay The buyout clauses
2: They're waiting on his ass To be up there In that building Where everybody can Turn around and wave at him
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hey you're fired You're fired
0: I mean he's been there What 30 years Like Forever
1: Like seriously I don't remember a time When Iowa Wasn't coached by him And And no natties No natties
0: Nothing Nothing I mean they've Yeah
1: Speaking of of programs that are perfectly okay with being mediocre, I give you Iowa. Yep. Iowa. We should have nuked Iowa long
0: ago. Maybe not. I don't know. That's an inside (laughs) joke. Uh, Either way, we're going to get on to the (laughs) – Actually, before we do move on. (laughs) (laughs) No, we like corn too much to nuke it. Either way, at least I do. Uh, Yeah. All right, so we're going to (laughs) – Anyway (laughs) –
1: We're gonna just go about, in
2: the strangest directions. I swear. Hey, man! Listen,
1: I, I get squirrels on <laughs> thing in you line. Know, Next thing you know, we're gonna talk about the Iowa dairy products.
0: <laughs> I do like milk as well. It's you know, dairy
1: is good. Um,
0: let's talk real quick uh, about our bowl records.
2: They are atrocious.
0: Not. They are not great. Let's not. I'm you good. Know, you. Again, with bowl season and every, all these players out tonight, it makes it really gosh darn hard. To, to pick, but we, we did our darndest. Uh, and let's just say it wasn't great. I finished off uh, 22 and 20. Um, Blake and Trevor actually tied at 24 and 18 <sighs> a piece. So this is going to come down to the national championship game. And obviously, we'll make our picks uh, here at the end of the show. Uh, but I am keeping track. All right. Well, we're we're going to see. I, it might cause somebody to pick somebody they don't want to just to get a dub. I, I don't know if we end in the time, I, I don't know how that's going to work. We'll have to figure something out on that one uh, at a later time, of course. Well, boys, let's go ahead and, and hit these uh, these semifinal games. Uh, anybody want to lead off or you,
2: you want me to give the rundown? Well, which one do you want to start with?
0: Let, let's go with the Washington game. Just uh, <clears throat> I, I think everybody knows the Rose Bowl was the you know just insane game, very tight. And, and so was the Sugar Bowl, but all eyes were on Pasadena. Uh so if you guys want let's let's go off with the Texas and Washington game. Yeah, let's go reverse and, order. And, Start and with the in. latest
1: first and go to the best. Well well what
0: else can you say I about other just, than Panics, you know? You, yeah. Seriously. Go ahead, Blake.
2: Well, I was just gonna say in any worth mentioning Liberty and Oregon. That was you know, whatever. Yeah. But yes. Texas, that was the key matchup was with the Texas defense be able to throw something at the Washington offense that they hadn't seen all season in the form of a pass rush. And they did, but it did not matter. He stood there and took hits. He threw it right in the face of the defensive line, just it. And Odunza, there was no stopping him. The man would not be denied. I mean, until the second half, you know, for whatever reason, Washington just crumbles in the second half of games but they did just enough to hold on. But uh, on the flip side of that, I mean, Quinn Ewers, he played lots out. I mean, he did everything you could have asked a guy to do to keep him in the game and give him every chance to win. Um, My biggest question for Texas was the running game. Just it worked at times, but just could never get it sustained to where it benefited them. Washington's defense, they stepped up and did exactly what they needed to do to keep Texas out of the end zone and, it was a great game to watch. It was hard for me to watch because I was so mad and my hands hurt from slamming walls after the Bama game. But, you know, I choked it down and watched it.
1: Man, I'll tell you what, that game was awesome. That game was awesome. I mean, Washington did everything they could to throw it away, but they they did they, it was an awesome game. Uh, first first thought is kind of, kind of leads into what you were saying, Blake, is like the rush in general. And I thought the rush did okay, but it was mostly predicated on the edge, one edge rusher or one blitzer getting to him. And Penix is just too good to have only one guy, one guy coming at him. And I, Penix, I mean, I said it before, the dude is a Heisman. He's he's the best player in the college football. And I'm gonna go as far as to say he throws the damnedest, prettiest ball. I have ever seen anyone in col- on the college ranks throw. The guy is pinpoint accuracy, scary good accurate, um, and he is the single most reason why they, they won. Um, him and Adunze are ridiculous. And Texas, I went into that game thinking Texas was really going to be a problem. And as soon as I saw that they started to abandon the run game, and give up on it, and just start throwing it. And try and go tit for tat with Washington. I knew right then and there that they were not going to. There's no way they're going to win. Washington is what a lot of you that are listening. That if you're older like I am and like we are, like the the Oregon's of old, where they are just that high powered of an offense, except it's only throwing the ball and a little bit of rushing. Uh, and you know the injury to injury to the running back. It's gonna that's gonna come into play. I'm sure. I, I I mean, they say he's good to go and that he's gonna play in the Natty. I don't know how much of that is actually true or just making Michigan prepare for it, even though uh, he may not play as much. <clears throat> So that's that's really my biggest takeaway. I think the the biggest thing is that Texas did not dominate like they needed to on the lines. And that's just it. If they were making Penix hurry a little bit more, and I think I think the stat is that their defense got twelve hurries, but only knocked got him down once, which tells you everything about the actual pass rushes that he was able to move around it and get around it to make a play at least or attempt to make a play so that's that's kind of where I'm at with it is that I think just Texas wasn't quite there with it uh, as far as I I feel like the, at the start of it Blake you said it is that the running game was actually starting to, was working and they went away from it I think I, maybe it's out of panic maybe it was out of just like oh well we got to do what they're going to do or like we got to match them for yardage and I just don't think that's the way that Washington will be beat if you try and match them they will win that's just not the way to beat them
2: the way Texas had to beat Washington is the same thing that Michigan's going to have to do and I'll explain that later but uh-huh. it, it's the, it's the same story yep
0: yeah I, I've i got a, a bunch of notes kind of first half second half breakdown on it uh really the you know obviously penix is a hell of a quarterback he had a great game um uh, but i'll say texas's pass defense is one of the worst in the country when you look at their 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 stats on that uh last week i believe they're 94th and i think they they got worse obviously after this last game uh so that that's something to look look for um I, there was times they just looked confused uh, i i watched i went back and i, I rewatched both the games and uh, Texas, I, I, it was the second half of it. Uh, there was, they had two safeties. They were, you know, covering, you know, there's uh, you know, cover two. And the safeties were, they didn't know where to go. They were like, they were st- stuck looking out wide. And the quarterback staring right up the middle field. He never looked away from the center option and they looked confused at each other. And they, he just, you know, Pennix threw right up the seam. They never even made a play on the ball uh so i'm just like that, that's just crazy to me that that they they couldn't you know figure that out uh echo what you guys said you know in the first half really um you know washington had strong pass protection uh in the first half what i noticed they they were getting some pressure but they weren't hitting him uh penix did stand in the pocket like he always does he's elusive um for Texas, they were getting really good ground game. They they really were. They were getting gash runs. Uh, they kind of went away from it in the second, and then they started getting back into it. And then they had two fumbles. Those, those absolutely killed their drives, and started. I feel like like what Trevor said made them get panicked. Like they had to start really getting into that pass mode and trying to you know battle back and go tit for tat with with Washington. You can't do that. Uh, it's the same against. I'd say Michigan. Uh, playing against Ohio State years ago. They would try to go, you know, toe-to-toe with them. You have to play a different style of defense. You have to play your style of offense. You can't really worry about it until it's, you know, maybe really getting out of hand. But you really need to stay in your style, run the run the, uh, the ball, and Texas did get away from that. Um, Texas, you know, towards the end, they were starting to do that bend but don't break thing. But then, like Blake said, Washington started getting away from what they were doing and led them right back into it. And that, that, that does lead into one of our uh, fan questions we'll talk about later. Uh, Cody, Cody, a friend Cody asked a, a question about that. Why does Washington seem to you know, keep fading in the second half? We don't really you know. know. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but just an interesting thing because it seems to always happen. But they, they let Texas right back into it. And even with you know, two minutes left, Texas was able to get the ball back and drive down the field and, you know, almost score a touchdown to win the damn game. Uh, So it it was still very good, uh, really great semifinal game. Uh, It just, it boiled down to to turnovers, uh, you know, killing drives and, you know, really Texas getting away from that, that running game. And uh, their pass defense just looking so confused. I know Penix is special, but, you get, you get better defensive backs out there, it, it might be a different story. Uh, so I, I don't know. We'll see. I, that, that's going to lead into our game, you know, later when we talk about Michigan and Washington. Uh, but really, it was a hell of a game. Just, yeah, Washington started falling apart late. Quinn Ewers was making the throws he needed to, and uh, but they just couldn't finish. Uh, guys, anything else on this one? Uh, it, it was a hell of a battle. I mean, it really was. Uh, I I actually passed out because I think it like Blake said his fists were hurting. I was just fucking. I was tired from from the Michigan game. Man, I was worn the hell out. Um, that's why I had to go back and rewatch the fourth quarter of the Washington game. Uh, let's, hell, let's let's just go ahead and get into this Michigan and Alabama game. Uh, the granddaddy of them all at the Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, it's the earlier the earlier game, and uh, it started off. And I know as a Michigan fan and others little bit of panic as soon as JJ threw that first pass. It was like hearing in the headlights, he threw it and, you know, they intercepted it, but he was out of bounds. Um, and then it kind of got a, like a refresh there. He, he was like, okay, you know, let's reset. Uh, but Michigan, they went three straight passes after that. They didn't try to run. Uh, and then they punted, uh, you know, very next possession, Michigan was able to just hound, um, you know, Milrow, and that was kind of the story of the game Uh, You know, set the tone from the first possession. They did a lot of stunts, uh, different coverages. I'd say Michigan's pass coverage was very good that game. Uh, And and they had a punt. And sure enough, that very next punt, another Michigan mishap, Uh, you know, fumbled, fumbled on the punt return. Michigan or Bama got it in really short field position and able to score. And then uh, after that, it was really just exchanging, you know, three and outs and blows, and Michigan was able to put a couple drives together. Uh, You know, Bama defense, obviously very strong. Michigan's defense strong. People are like, oh, they didn't score a lot. It's not as impressive as, you know, the Washington offense. You're talking about top 10 defenses, top 15 defenses going head-to-head against each other. It's going to be a struggle. That's just how these games play out. And it comes down to making mistakes, which both teams did. Uh, Bama with, with the snaps, you know, big mistakes there. Uh, they couldn't hit on their downfield passing attack. Michigan was very strong on that, uh, blocking that outside the one, I believe is to Isaiah bond on, on a a corner route where he toe tapped on the sideline. Uh, but after that, Milrow was really forced to go short, uh, JJ and them, they, they didn't really look deep on anything. They were, they were focused on doing what they do, getting the eight, 10 yard pass plays, uh, but they had passes dropped. They had, you know, again, you know, a couple of trick plays that they went for that killed drives. So it was just a real, you know, battle of defense and, and miscues. And, uh, eventually, you know, it goes to overtime after a really great drive by Michigan. And then, uh, Blake Coram finishing off in, in defense, uh, or excuse me on a, on a hell of a run in overtime. Uh, really just a, a great game, man. I was, I was stressed the hell out, uh, Trevor
2: Blake, what you guys got on that one? So my thing with Bama was it was all coaching. You know, you got to start from the top and work your way down. And I see a lot of Bama fans, you know, it, it makes me mad when people say that you can't criticize somebody because of what they've done for your program, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Well, the bottom line is, is I see a lot of Bama fans blaming Tommy Reese, which, you know, I do too. He made some horrible uh, play calling decisions that I just don't understand. And I'll just start with that. So when you come out on your first drive and you're sacked like that, and then you come out on your second drive and you're sacked again, and then your third drive and you're sacked again, and you continue to try to force a quarterback that has less than two to three seconds to, to make a decision to try to stand in the pocket, that something should have changed. And that's on Saban. He wears a headset on the sideline just like every other coach does. He hears the calls that come in, and he, he never did anything. We did that through the whole first half without making a change. But then we finally make a change in the second half when we started, We brought in Justice Haynes um, and Jam Miller one of our issues was Roydell Williams and Jason McClellan were missing a lot of blocks when they stayed back to try to help Milro in the pocket. And so we made the change to Justice Haynes, Jan Miller. They're, they're not as big as McClellan, but they're bigger than Roydell. And it helped a lot. We was able to start moving the football, but it's like we would cross midfield and then all of a sudden he'd throw three straight passes and we punt. And I just didn't... I didn't understand the decisions, and uh, Brendan, your brother had texted me at one point during the game uh, when it was four or five minutes left in the game and Bama was driving, and he was like, well, I guess it's over. And I was like, I don't think – or I think you're underestimating the ability of our offense to fuck up, which they did. Uh, the game, just my opinion, it should the ball should have never seen the air again with four minutes left. We were moving it averaging six yards of carry there on that drive. We cross midfield, get into field goal range, and throw three straight passes for one yard. When you had Justice Haynes and Jam averaging six yards of carry, Michigan was struggling to stop that. You know, that the at the very least that field goal should have been kicked with less than a minute on the clock. But instead, Michigan gets the ball back with what, four minutes and is able to go down, take the lead or tie the game, and, uh, you know, that was that. But my biggest issue was like what I said. There was no changes made by saving to the calls coming into the game. And, you know, that defensive line was just destroying Alabama's offensive line. I mean, there was never a chance. It was every snap, someone's back there within two, three seconds. Milro, you know, I've said it all season, is trash. He's decent at times. He's a fast quarterback, but he's not going to be that guy, and I'm not blaming him for the loss, but he's just not that guy that is going to stand in the pocket and pick a defense apart like they want him to be, and they need to realize that. He could be a great quarterback if they would use him to his abilities, which they did some in the second half, and we had success, but then went away from it, and it's just one of those games that leaves you standing there like, what the hell? You had every opportunity to go away with a W and instead you're watching the other team go away with it because no attempt was made to make any changes and it sucks, but I'm glad for y'all. And I know you all are happy. You know, your brother told me he's never been alive to see Michigan win a national championship. So here's his chance.
1: I was. It still wasn't that great because we split it with Nebraska. So, like, whatever.
0: I don't know. That's still, it's still a counted title. Only, only casuals say
1: it's a split. Yeah. It, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, counts. look, I simply didn't ever think that I would live to see the day that any Michigan coach, regardless of who he is, would sit there and out-coach arguably the best coach to ever coach in college football and he straight up did he got out coached. the coaching staff on the Michigan side outcoached all of the Alabama coaching on the other side it was very <laughs> impressive to me to watch the game and the way the defense against the offense was going to play because I had confidence that Michigan would be able to score probably enough points I wasn't exactly sure on how they would play Milrow and the defense and, and how the defense would play Milrow. And I was pleasantly surprised. I loved the way they did it. I love the way that they collectively collapse the pocket to where even Milrow all season long, you'd see it. When the edge rushers come on, he just psh, bolts up the middle.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it's like, it was, the one, it was the one move that you could almost count on. If you were going to put pressure on, he was going to take up off the middle because there was not very much middle line discipline uh, with the tackles that he has played against. And that's exactly what Michigan did. It's like they collectively moved in all at one time at, at the same exact time, whether they were doing stunts or blitzes or something. Everybody was coming at the correct angles to just collapse that pocket And I don't blame Milro because that defense, I say that defense, that front line is better than Georgia. 100% better than Georgia with the way they're coached and the way they attack that line because they made the Alabama offensive line look really bad, and I don't think they are as as bad as advertised. I think that Michigan is just that good on D-line. And their linebackers, like, I'm not taking anything away from Alabama at all because I think Alabama had the running game, had me nervous about the running game, and that, that's 100% the way it, I thought it was going to go, and it didn't, which I'm very happy it didn't. But just so, some quick stats here is like when you have a defensive line that has 12 hurries but then has six knockdowns on a quarterback, I, I venture to say that you're going to be doing okay for the game because at that point you're you're in the quarterback's head. 12 hurries and 6 sacks, you're done. Like that quarterback is in his own head. Yeah. Cuz I even the overtime play where uh it was a low snap. It was a low snap. It was not a snap in the ground. It like it, it I see a lot of people calling that 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 last play was an RPO and no. uh personally I don't agree with that. Just the way everything went, it looked exactly like it was a direct snap to milrow in his plan there was zero hesitation he didn't look to the swing yeah. uh running back or anything he just went. It was
2: not an rpo saving even said <laughs> in the post game that yeah. it was a it was a design quarterback run i don't know why people i keep saying that meme though that you're talking yeah. about showing yeah. the play where if he had a threw it to the run you know it was designed for that and Sure, the snap may have messed the timing up, but it wouldn't have mattered, I don't think, because that linebacker was still coming around the edge there. Yep, there was people uh, in position, yeah. But like about the offensive line, though, that has been Bama's downfall all season. You know, it We have been, especially on that left side, Caden Proctor, he's, he's a true freshman, and he's really struggled this season. But we made such improvement from the second half of the Tennessee game we played really well uh, against LSU, not so well against Auburn, and we had our times at Georgia, but we looked a lot better at the Georgia game, which gave me confidence for this game. But then this looked like the offensive line against Texas and South Florida again, and that's 100% on the coaching staff. There's no reason that with a month to prepare in, in at this point in the season, the end of the season – that we should have those kinds of mistakes from players that have been playing all season long. That is 100% on Nick Saban. And people may not like to hear that. I'm not calling for the guy's job or anything, but at the end of the day, you have to hold people accountable and Saban's the head coach. And there's nothing wrong with criticizing a poor coaching job because that he says, that's the best team that he's most proud of. Well, not me. Uh, This is not the best team. Did they improve from the Texas game? Sure. But every week it was something. We struggled and just barely got by every game. Not to say that we wasn't a good team, because when we meshed, look at how they played against LSU. But, I mean, not the greatest defense to compare to. But it showed that the team can come together and play well. They did it against Georgia as well. They did it in the fourth quarter against Auburn. So they showed that they have the the capability to do it. But this game, there was never life except for right after halftime when they had those three or four drives where the running game was really working. And yet the offensive line was starting to gain some confidence. But just real quick on Seth McLaughlin, just in the Michigan game, he had 13 snaps below the knee, four over the quarterback's shoulders, and then we had two dropped snaps – Because of the, he snapped it before uh, Jalen was ready for it. But then I seen a thing on Twitter, and I haven't been able to vet it yet, but I I believe it to be true, because you know I've I've seen it all season. But he had on the season McLaughlin sixty seven low snaps, and we had nine miscues where it resulted in a fumble or a turnover. And at in the Division One level, there is. No reason for any center to be doing that playing Division one football.
0: Yeah, and that that's one that makes me wonder like what what is behind him that could not have jumped into to be a center at the University of Alabama with how well they recruit. You know that that's just
2: shocking to me, and that goes back to coaching. In yep. my in my eyes, that's something Saban should have looked at that. When someone does that consistently, you know, one game, three games, I can understand, sure, you're still learning the ropes, getting ready, you know, but by game seven and you're still doing it, and then game ten and you're still doing it, and now here you are in the playoffs and you're doing it, put his ass on the bench. There is nothing that could have been worse. We were already getting sacked. We're already not having time to throw the football. We're already fumbling snaps. What could have went worse? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, this whole game was really a story of mistakes from both sides. You know, like you said, the the, the messed up snaps, um, you know, the fumble, the missed kick, the missed extra point for Michigan. I, I feel like when I went back and watched it again, Michigan had a lot of opportunity in the first to extend their lead, but they just couldn't, they couldn't finish. And they, they really went away from the ground game a couple of times, just like what Texas did, uh, which I thought was strange. Because uh, corn was really getting good chunks, especially out on, on the perimeter, uh, you know, in in some of the, you know, the counter actions that we had uh, kind of went away from that. Third quarter, I when I watched it live, I was really like, oh, damn, this game's over. Because uh, we couldn't get anything going. Watching it again, really both teams, they started having good drives. And then Michigan dropped a, a wide open third down path. Uh, Bama had dropped snaps that killed drives. Uh, you know, it, it was just really the third quarter was a lot of just back and forth, three and outs or, or like decent drives that stalled out because the play calling, we get just too cute. Uh, you know, especially I, I thought on the Michigan side, we, we tried the flea flicker after the fumble, uh, you know, and that killed our drive. And then we missed a field goal. Uh, so it, it's just certain things like that. You know, Bama had a chance to take a lead, but they couldn't, they couldn't finish. Michigan had chances to, to extend the lead. They couldn't finish. Uh, so again, that uh, credit to the defenses. You you really have to. And I've said it all year. Bama's defense is phenomenal. You know, people might think otherwise based on you know total defensive stats. No, go go watch their defense. They are they're a real freaking good defense. Yep. Uh, Michigan's in the same. You know, they're, they're top top defenses. Uh, so you're it's always going to be a battle. You know, so I, I give props to the defenses. Uh, they did everything they needed to try to keep it in that, you know, 20 point range. Cause these teams are still really strong on offense too. Uh, and, and I give props to JJ. Uh, he saved the game. I, I think with that, that backwards pass, that Donovan Edwards threw a little bit over his head. He caught it with one hand spun and chuck it to Roman Wilson, huge play. You know, that could have been a scoop and score defensive touchdown. Uh, if he didn't catch that, um, you know, he, he really played well. When I went back and looked at it, you know, I initially thought he was kind of having a rough game. I know the first pass was stupid. He recovered from that. He missed one pass that I saw to Cornelius Johnson, which would have been a good chunk play. Uh, but outside of that, he he quietly had a really good game. Uh, three touchdowns, read read the ball well, uh, had some crucial runs when, when Michigan really needed it. Uh, it, just just a tough freaking battle against a really strong Bama defense. Michigan found a way to come out on top. Uh, again, miscues from each team could you know kill drives, and that that's just part of it. Uh, and I, I think a lot of that has to do maybe not, but the rust of it. Uh, you're coming off a month of not playing. You're maybe overthinking things. You're so overanalyzed instead of just being in the groove like you are week to week in the, the conference schedule. Uh, I, I don't know. I, people are saying all oh, this so you know, worst game I've, I've ever seen Alabama play. It's the worst game, you know, Michigan's had on offense, you know, special teams. Yeah, I mean shit happens. It's part of the game, you know, you just have to overcome it. And and that's why you play the games on the field. But that, that,
1: no that's ahead. why that's everyone needs to remember that these still are kids. These guys are 18, 19, 20 years old. So to expect this to be some professional level, no mistakes, mistake games, when you're talking about elite programs, it's just not a reality. Like, people are like, oh, my God, all these mistakes. I can't believe it's happening. Really? This is college we're talking about. Like, I, I don't expect for pe- perfection from these kids. I, I expect them to be resilient, well-coached, uh, able to handle diversity within the game and not let uh, a muff punt or something like that affect them for the rest of the game. And and they didn't. Player of the game, Jake Thaw. You don't know who he is. He's the guy that recovered the freaking muff punt on the one-yard line and, and saved the damn game for Michigan. Uh, if that would have ended any other way, it would have been Alabama playing the national title. That one play right there saved the entire game. Boy, I, I was scared there, man. <laughs> oh, that, that would have been a disaster. Eight. Special teams disasters cannot happen in the Natty.
0: Yeah. And that, that really, in my opinion, I, I forgot to mention it though, was the biggest part of the game in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Michigan special teams failed them big time in this game. Uh, you know, obviously, the first one, uh, Samaj Morgan had a great chance to run and maybe get some decent yards on the punt return, but he dropped it. Uh, just and then took his eye that, off the
1: ball, though, I mean, this is one of those things where he's a freshman and he was yeah. really trying to make a play. I don't he blame was. him for what he was trying to do, not at all. He just he looked
0: up and, and he, you know, yep. he made that mistake. He's a freshman, uh, but they went back to him a time and time again and they he made up for it, except for that drop third. But when you when you go back and you watch the game, field position shifted huge in Bama's favor in that third quarter and really into the fourth. Michigan was starting at their own ten, their own, you know, you know, eleven yard line almost the entire third quarter. And you can't do that. You gave Bama a short field position off of a horrible punt, you know, at the fifty yard line. They scored two, two of their touchdowns off of, you know, less than fifty yard fields and when you're trusting your defense to go on and kick their ass which most for the most part of the game they were uh you can't give them a short field you can't give Alabama that you just can't and they capitalized uh so that that's one you know special teams bama's punter it's in, my, in my opinion probably their player of the game uh you know he was constantly pinning pinning michigan back huge booming kicks kept that field position battle in bama's favor and kept them you know really from you know having to worry about Michigan driving the whole field every single drive it was it was really a great performance uh by by their special teams uh but that that's a huge mark on the game uh guys like I said obviously it's all said and done now it's uh you know Michigan versus Washington in the national championship game two teams that have played a lot you know over the past that I believe is 15 times Michigan leads the series uh you know they play again in the regular season next year since they're going to be Big Ten opponents, which is strange to say. Uh, what, what are your takes on this this national championship? What, what do you think is going to happen? How is Michigan going to slow down this offense? Can Washington contend with Michigan's strong offensive line and running game? Uh, what, what do you guys think?
2: Well, this is pretty short for me, and then I'll let you all have it. So I'm just going to go ahead and say – I believe Michigan's the better team. I think Michigan's probably going to win the national championship. But uh, I am going to pick Washington when we do our picks, just so you know. That way there's not a tie because, you know, I'm not going to – all three of us pick Michigan. I'll be the guy that takes the Washington. But if Michigan can come out and run the football, control the clock, keep Penix on the bench – I think they walk away with this fairly easily. I don't see Washington's defense being able to do what Alabama did for three quarters and offensively for Washington. I do believe they'll score because I think their offensive line has to be better than Alabama's. There's no way it's not. They have a way better quarterback. They have better receivers. So, and I really feel like they'll be able to produce points, but I don't think Michigan will do like Texas and try to go toe to toe with them. I believe Michigan will control the clock, run the football. I don't see Washington being able to stop Blake Corum, and even if they do have to throw, McCarthy's aside from that first throw of the Alabama game, he's very smart with the football and. I just don't see much that Washington's going to be able to do if Michigan has that approach. Now, if they do go out and try to go toe-to-toe, you know, Washington is a team that you give them five minutes and you're going three and out, they could be up 21 to nothing in the snap of a finger. And if Michigan gets behind like that from trying to go toe-to-toe, I don't know that Michigan can generate enough offense to put up you know, 50, 60 points against a team like Washington. But I really don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to go toe-to-toe offensively with Washington. I really believe he'll control the clock, and I think they win this game like 31-28, something like that.
1: You know, I, I've been thinking about a lot of this the game, like pretty much the past two days. And what I've pretty much come to come to grips with is that if Michigan's D tackles can get penetration, I really believe that that's all it's going to take to throw off Penix. Because while I know Texas and their one rusher on the edge, and so see the, the difference between I feel like Texas and Michigan obviously are really great, but they're both – both def- their defensive lines are actually built similar, similarly, but they're just not as talented as Michigan, where Michigan's D tackles and D ends are good, and they can rush collectively instead of just having one free guy coming at Penix because Penix, he's too good to not have penetration across the line. If you don't get into his face and get into where he's stepping to throw, uh, he's still going to pick you apart. Um, I do think that Michigan's secondary is uh, way better than Texas's, in my opinion. Uh, Funny note, though, is that if Washington does win, they will be the worst defense to win the national title ever. Yeah, I think since the 50s. No, they're 97 total defense.
0: Yeah, I, I think there hasn't been one outside of. I saved it outside oh, yeah, of yeah, like yeah, 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 the top seventy or something it's since silly. the nineties. It's crazy. Uh,
1: it's crazy. Blakey I think point. the last one to do it was Auburn and Cam Newton. I think
2: probably they had a bad defense. Um, but I was just gonna say. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Trevor.
1: No, no, you're good. Go, go, dude. You're good.
2: No, I was just gonna say um, regarding. Washington's offense going up against good secondaries and good defenses. I've said it all season long. Every time they played a team with a good defense and a good secondary, I'm like, okay, this is the one that's going to stop them. This is Mm -hmm. the one that's going to stop them. And it's just never happened. And it's like, no matter how good the coverage, no matter how much pressure Penix is under, it could be double coverage. It could be perfect man-to-man in in a – threading the needle in a zone, they do it. And they find a way to come down with mm-hmm. the football. They have right. two – Odunze and I can't remember the other guy's name on Washington. They've got another receiver that's, they got, that's solid.
1: They, they got three of them. All three of them are really good.
2: I mean, it. I'm talking the dudes are breathing on the back of their neck and they come down with the football because that ball is just placed where only their guy can get it. And, and it's incredible what he's able to do so that's the only edge i give to washington against michigan's defense is just i've said it all season i'm like i thought oregon state would slow him down i thought oregon would slow him down and it just never happened you know they they find a way to score touchdowns
1: right? yeah i know they do they do they for real do and you know the my only argument to that is that, yeah, you're right. Penix has torn up even the defenses that were supposed to slow him down 100%. The only difference in this game, in my, the way I'm looking at this, is when you look at Michigan's progression of the way they've changed their defense since before COVID to after COVID, there's a stark difference. And it's almost as if. So, go quickly running back to where. Michigan and Alabama, I thought Michigan and Alabama was the most dangerous game for Michigan. Because regardless of Texas or Washington coming out of that game, I thought Alabama matched up very good all across the board uh, against Michigan. Now, with Washington, I don't think they match up as good. And I think that Michigan's defense is specifically – been put together to stop a Washington style offense because there is a team in the big 10 that runs that type of offense with elite wide receivers. And they are called Ohio state Buckeyes. And they did it the first year that they pulled this off and did this beat the Ohio state. What did Ohio state have? They had CJ Stroud. They had, I'm not going to pronounce his name, right? But they had, they had really three, really good wide receivers. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think Michigan is finally in a position where they can compete with just about anybody because of the style of defense they play is a flexible kind of, uh, uh, what's the word chameleon like defense yeah. where it can adjust to the type of game plan that you think. Cause I mean, I mean, granted, Alabama didn't do the game plan that I thought they were going to do, which is utilize the running back by committee and keeping fresh bodies going all all game long at the defensive line, which is what I would have probably done because it's a strength of Alabama's. Um, but in, in this particular case, I just – I think that Michigan will be able to adjust. And because they do defense by platoon – because their second string plays just as, play just as much as their starters because they rotate people in and out of the game all game long. I, I just really think that they match up well. Yeah, and to your point, we changed
0: defense, you know, like you said, in 2021 when we went with, uh, you know, the, that Ravens-style, uh, NFL-style defense in getting back, you know, going away from, you know, all this just straight man and, you know, just blitzing heavy and getting burned by guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, all these elite receivers that are tearing it up in the NFL. Well, guess what? We changed it against, like you said, C.J. Stroud. And, you know, our defensive coordinators, you know, found a way to change up our defensive style. And we even mentioned it in, you know, this this year, the last, you know, couple of games of the season leading up to the Ohio State game, Michigan just ran four base. And would just blitz maybe a fifth man. But it was a lot of zone, a lot of different coverages. And even Ohio State's receivers said, We have we haven't seen any of these types of coverages all season. And we hadn't even seen them on film from Michigan. because uh, it, you know, they just kind of run in a base, you know, like four, two, five, and just dropping in the standard zones, you know, mainly some man. But when Michigan goes up against these types of teams, they really start mixing up. You get corner blitzes. You saw Will Johnson blitzing against Bama. Samer still was blitzing all the twists, all the maneuvers and stunts. You're going to see that against Washington too, and they have to uh, to get pressure on him because, like you said, Penix is a damn good quarterback, one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. I think, like you said, he was snubbed from the Heisman, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Jane, you know, Dan is that wonderful quarterback, very elusive, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have a different time, you know, with, with Pennix and he is fast as well. So you still have to watch that, uh, you know, running ability, but he's a, he's a pass first guy, you know, so that he's looking for that downfield shot all the time. So our safeties are going to have to play really well, uh, you know, against, against their wide receivers. Like uh, you mentioned, obviously Adunze uh, Polk was the other guy, and then uh, McMillan uh, both, you know, went out there and did you know great things for for this team all year long. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how Michigan lines up on this one, what type of pressure they're going to bring, uh, what you know what type of coverages they're going to they're going to roll out, but they're going to have to try to confuse Penix and also bring the pressure. Uh, but you can't. Take too much pressure because Penix gets the ball off so damn quick. So it's it's going to be have to be a really smart game on defense and obviously offense. I think you are going to see a lot of heavy sets uh, from Michigan. I, I really think you are going to see them lean into that run game. Uh, you know, one the one back has really been working for them this year. Uh, you know, getting the the upbacks, you know, tight ends, and getting them in motion, confusing the defense. They did that time and again with with uh, Bama. Uh lots of shifts. I mean, damn near every play was a shift, and you're trying to get those linebackers out of formation to uh you know to throw off throw them off and it worked. Uh Trevor, what you got?
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, I was thinking I was just thinking about it. I was like, I think you're right. I think they're gonna run down the freaking throat. But um, I think they're gonna use a lot <clears throat> utilize because now they've really kind of shown their hand with this last game with bama that they're they're trying to utilize the crossing routes a mm-hmm. lot with their wide receivers and i think they're going to play off of that and bring back into the fold the tight end play yeah in this particular game they're going to use heavy sets run 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 play action to the either either the loveland or uh, Bar- varner and i think that the tight ends are going to play a bigger role in the natty than they did in the alabama game because i think and Blake, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at watching, when I watched the game, I feel like that game, Alabama prepared to stop the tight ends of Michigan to make sure that the tight ends weren't the reason that they got beat. Mm-hmm. And I feel just watching the game because they were really not a factor. I think Loveland had one catch. Varner didn't even get a target, I don't think. If he did get a target, I must have missed it. Um, But. Uh, But, yeah, I think that was Alabama's game plan. And assuming that Washington doesn't come out with a similar game plan, I think the tight ends are going to become a big factor in this one.
2: Yeah, I think Bama's game plan was try to make Michigan beat them deep because really up until the fourth quarter, I felt like we had kind of controlled Blake Corum. We was getting gashed on a lot of crossers, though, like you said. Our linebackers were very confused throughout the game. Cause there was a lot of motion. There mm-hmm. were shifts virtually every play. And, you know, I saw that and uh, I've seen it pointed out multiple times on Twitter. You know, we just got killed with uh, crossers and mesh plays and, mm-hmm. you know, it just killed us all that pre-snap motion.
0: Yeah. And, and when you watch it again, they did, they would, they would linebackers would really cue on the, what the tight ends were doing. Which left Corm wide open a couple of times, and Corm they never passed it to Corm. Michigan is not a, a screen team; they they don't run mesh with, with the running backs ever uh, until this game. They do now. You are looking for <laughs> you are usually looking for Donovan Edwards to be that receiving threat out of the backfield, and I think that also confused the Bama you know linebackers. Oh, Corm's in. It's either you know passing down, he's blocking, or you know it's going to be a run. They weren't expecting him to go out into the flat a couple times, and you know, or cut through the line and, and catch a ball. So, uh, Washington's defense is just going to have to play really smart. They're going to watch these, uh, you know, the, the motion, and just be prepared for all of that. Uh, and then Washington on offense, Michigan's defense is very good. They're obviously right now the number one ranked defense in the country uh, in total defense. Their their passing defense is very good. Uh, but obviously, they haven't faced a team like Washington's passing ability. They're going to have to be able to run. They're going to have to. Uh, so I'm curious to see if you know what type of running formations they do. I, I noticed against Texas, Washington did a lot of screens. Uh, you know, little flare routes. Uh, you know, out to the wide receivers, they'd hit the the wider or the running backs on some some flare routes out of the backfield. And I fully uh, expect so, them to do that too. Yeah, in this game. try to try to get side to side on Michigan. Yeah. and see if they can you know get them out on the edge. Uh, it's going to be a battle. It, it really is. But I think Blake's right. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as you know some people might think. But we did see it last year with Michigan and TCU. They can still score you know forty eight points in the game. You just can't give them the ball. It's going to come down to mistakes again. Yeah, uh, I think Michigan, Michigan clean could. Up this defense. Put,
1: yeah, right. Yeah, and I really do think. Michigan could hang for a little while if they wanted to try and trade blows. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they want to because yeah. it, it puts a lot more questions in the air as far Absolutely. as it. And um, another thing is I think the biggest key to this game is going to be possessions or um, not possessions. Uh, yeah, possessions. Yeah. So I think if Michigan can keep Washington to 10 possessions in a game in the game, they win the ball game. I think that will be a thing. If it gets over twelve possessions, I think Washington. The more more possessions Washington and Penix have on the offensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. I think, plays into their strength, and the least amount obviously plays into I think Michigan's strength because they, per Joe Clat, is, a, is <laughs> they're a boa constrictor. They're a boa <laughs> constrictor, and that's the way that they squeeze you. They give you less possessions, make every every third down play uh, more important, the most important, one of the more important plays. And I think that's what they did with Alabama. To be perfectly honest, they made third downs way more important in the game than what you may have seen in the past with maybe a shootout game where third downs are like whatever. You know, you'll get it. You'll get it back in a minute and a half. Um, yeah. So I I don't think if Washington is planning on that happening, that's not going to be the case. It's going to be three, four, five, six minute drives from Michigan. If they can, if they can sustain it for uh, that long. But I think that would be the biggest key in the game for me is that the possession, the possession game, not time of possession, but actual possessions. Sure. um, uh, Need to be limited obviously because Penix is the best pure thrower in the game and, uh yeah, it's it, he he throws darts all day long.
0: Yeah, Blake, uh I've got one more thing uh that I'm going to uh, talk about. If you got anything, please chime in. Uh it's uh, this is from Bill Conley. Uh he mentioned, you know, just a little nugget for uh Washington fans and the, the stat is the Huskies currently rank 44th in defensive S&P, you know, plus. And that's that's his rating system. It's one of the better uh if not the best uh, for advanced stats in the game, uh, you know, it, it really determined it's all opponent adjusted, uh, you know, so he's saying they have the 44th defense in the game based on S&P plus, not total defense, nothing like that. You know, it's all opponent adjusted. The last national champion, and, and this is something that uh, Trevor mentioned earlier, uh, the last national champion to rank outside of the top 30 on defense was Oklahoma in 1950. Uh, The worst title defense since then was 2010 Auburn with the 27th-ranked defense per S&P+. And it took Cam Newton to obviously overcome that and and win the game. Uh, Somebody mentioned, well, Michigan ranked 70th in total offense, and they don't have a Cam Newton-type player. Uh, They're also 61st in rush offense, whatever. Well, Bill Conley came out and said this. Yes, however, they're 6th and points per drive, an eighth in success rate, despite playing four of the eight best defenses in the country. So, you know, they're 12th in offensive S&P Plus against defenses in the 30 to 60 range, where, guess who is that? Washington. So, against those teams that Michigan has played in that range, they've scored 52 and 49 points, respectfully. So, that's something that, you know, this... I know Michigan's not a flashy team. They're not look. They're not looking for those downfield shots. They're looking to be the extended drivers, kill you with first downs, burn that clock out, and you know try to wrap it up from there. And really minimize possessions, right? And and that's how they win. And that's what yeah. they do. They they constrict you.
1: <clears throat> but I'll say I'll say this though. They're not afraid to. If you're gonna give it to them, they will. T- oh, JJ yeah. isn't afraid to take it. If you're going to give him the downfield stuff, he'll take it all day long. Yep.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be a battle. Uh, Obviously, this it's a national championship game. Very great offense against really just a complete team, I would say, in Michigan, uh, offensively and defensively. Washington, really, their path is a lot more narrow, in my opinion, on winning this game than Michigan's is. Obviously, they both need to play perfect. You can't make mistakes. You can't muff the point like both Michigan and Washington did in the semifinal. You can't do that. Clean up special teams. Play strong on defense. And let's see what happens, man. Kickoff. It's, it's going to be coming uh, quick.
1: I'm ready to see the boa constrictor <laughs> snap that Husky's neck. Like, <laughs> snap
0: <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, no Huskies were filmed in the making of this nope. show, but,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no Huskies were armed in the making yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I'm just
0: kidding for the animal oh. rights cruelty people. Uh, <laughs> a- anyway, we, we've got a couple of things, fan questions, Blake, do you have anything else on the national championship before we roll on? All right, well, let's get to them. Blake, uh, you mind answering the, the fan questions that we had? Uh, we had a friend of mine, Cody, he shot us, um, a question on Facebook and then our long time listener, probably the number one fan we have. I don't know. It's a battle. Uh, Barbara though, she asked a, a question as well. So Blake, if you got them, shoot them out and let's answer them.
2: Uh, so Cody's question was after seeing the game is, was Alabama worthy of facing Michigan? And the answer to me is still yes, because it wasn't decided based on the outcome, why Batman was put there. They were put there for a reason. And a lot of it has to do with, yes, Florida State's quarterback being injured. But, you know, that's that's part of the committee's rules, whether we like it or not. And I think that this was one of the greatest college football playoff games that's ever been played, despite how sloppy it was. I mean, like I told you all in our chat, when you have two of the most historic teams in college football playing for, you know, really a national championship and it comes down to the final play in the Rose Bowl, I mean, what what's better than that? You know, I don't I don't think there's anything Florida State could've done that would have made that game one, the outcome I don't think would have changed. Two, I don't believe there's anything they could have done to make a game as good as that one ended up being
1: hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And
0: obviously, you know what, regardless of my feelings on Florida state, you know, being snubbed, Bama is still one of the top teams in the country. Even if this was a quote down here, you know, for, for them, they're still loaded with talent at every single position, five stars galore, four stars galore. Not only do you have to beat them with with you know scheme, you have to you know be able to try to out talent what they have, and, and that's damn near impossible. So you have to co- you have to out coach and and execute. Uh, so Bama, no, I, I mean they they played a hell of a game. We knew everybody knew it was going to be a battle. No, I, if if you thought Bama was going to win by you know forty fifty points, you're you're mistaken. If you thought Michigan was going going to go in and trounce them, because you know, well, they squeaked in the playoffs, they shouldn't have won there. I, no, you're, you're sadly mistaken. Uh, I think it's a good question. You know, obviously Georgia is a very strong team, but they lost it. Their playoff game was the Bama game in the, in the championship game. And they lost, no, they should not have been anywhere near this playoff uh, Florida state. I think they should have been in, but again, them going up against, you know, Michigan with a backup quarterback, and uh, you know the way Michigan's defensive line has played all season. Uh, no, I, I still think the outcome would have been Michigan winning by more points than what they beat Bama by, and I, I don't think it would have gone to overtime. I know some Florida State fans may not like that, but uh, it's just you know, in my, in my opinion, that's a fact. Um, it, what what it was right. what else did he ask you know, at the end of that? Or uh, uh, Trevor, what, what you got?
1: Oh uh, no, I was just I was just gonna say is like. Um... I think Bama was the choice, and regardless of what I feel, I still think a 13-0 and 0 should have been in, personally. However, I think the committee weighed the pros and cons and determined that the matchup that they would be putting on the field and on the Rose Bowl in the last four-team playoff that we would ever do this, it it was the only time that they could do and set this precedent because next year, I mean, Florida State would have been in the playoff next year if they can mm-hmm. pull, the, pull the same kind of season off, hands down. I just think that this year the committee had to make a decision. I think they made the right decision. doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but I think it was the right decision.
2: Right. My My point is, is just because Florida State was deserving of the playoff spot does not make Alabama any less worthy of an opponent. Correct. And that's 100%. Just how I feel about it. Yeah. So the second part of his question, and we've really already answered it, was: Can Michigan's pass rush get there better than Texas? And you know, I think we hit that pretty good when we talked about it. You know, the answer is yes. I, I think they yes. will get there.
1: They'll get they'll um, get there a whole lot faster too. Uh 100%. One one edge rusher, it's gonna like we said, like I said, I know, think a couple both you guys said it's a collective pass rush. They do it from all different angles, all different sides. And I just think that that's just the way they're going to attack this thing where it would yep. be multiple guys coming from maybe one, two, three guys, and, and and also those D tackles busting through the front of it to make Penix very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, they're, they're going to get after them. They're, they have no choice. They have to. Uh, it's You know, defense is obviously going to set up and and do the stunts like they did against Alabama. Um but you're also going to see blitzes from the outside like you saw with Will Johnson, but m- mainly Mikey Samer still, just because of how fast he is, he can match Penix's speed and he's, he's faster than Penix. Uh, let, let's not kid ourselves, but he's coming from a long way. So he's probably going to flush them, you know, and you're going to have some, uh, some DNs like Brayden McGregor playing contain uh, I'd say more so than trying to get upfield, like what they did against Milrow because Milrow. You knew he's, you know, once, once you've, you contain those edges on him by pushing up the field, he's going to try to cut straight up. Well, that's where we had a linebacker blitzing in and, and we were able to to uh, swarm him for the most part. Now, granted, Melrose still got his on the ground, but you know, he, he still had some really good chunk runs. Uh, but this one, I think the D-line is going to play a little bit differently. So you may not see the, the sacks you know that you saw against Alabama, but I think you're going to see them play a different style of contain – uh, and still some stunt techniques up front um, I'll say too uh, on this Michigan's passing yard allowed this year they're second in pass yards allowed and also when I look at third down conversion percentage that's another big one I always look at uh, on defense Michigan's in the top five Washington is nowhere to be found uh, in the top 50 Michigan. Defense is very strong. They're really good at third downs. They're really good at uh, getting them into to distance. And when if they're in third and long, Michigan's probably going to feast. So so you really got to get there, uh, you know, with with the stunts. And yeah, I, I think they're going to be able to do it. Um, but again, it, it's going to be tough.
1: And you know, I tell I tell you what is it's it's about discipline. And the Michigan defense is disciplined in what they are doing. They really yeah. are. I mean, it shows all over the game against Alabama. They were doing exactly what they needed to do on the line to fill gaps, do confuse Milrow and the offensive line of what they were doing. But I do, I do really think Deboer will have their watch that Washington offensive offense ready and have some probably mm-hmm. with the speed that Washington has. I have a hard time believing that they aren't going to have some gadget stuff going on. Oh yeah. uh, with all the speed that they have on the field all at one time. So, yeah. it'll be interesting to see the chess match between the high flying offense and the defense.
0: Last thing I'll say, too, is I know we talked about, you know, Washington's defense being, you know, not in the rankings or anything like that. Their offensive line did win the Joe Moore Award. Okay. So, they're, they're very strong offensive line. I know they're lighter when you compare them, but they're still a good line. They're, they're I think, more seasoned. Uh, you know they're they're a pretty smart group, so they'll probably be able to cover those stunts a little bit better. Um, but I, I I don't know. It's gonna be tough. They, like I said, they they're outweighed by Michigan's D line, uh, if I remember correctly. And uh, Mason Graham, he is fast as shit. You he is a hell of a defensive tackle. He can slide into anything. And same so can Chris Jenkins. So I don't know. It, it's it's gonna be a battle up front, man. It's it'll be something to watch. Blake, what else you got, buddy?
2: Well, Uh, Barbara, our second question was regarding the final play of the Texas-Washington game. Was it pass interference? Why or why not? Well, I think should it have been called? Probably only because they did call two on Texas in the fourth quarter. And but at the same time, he was playing the football. He did have the arm around the shoulder, coming around the chest. It it's what you know. I think it's a discretionary call. Had they not have been calling pi throughout the game, you know, you let that one go. But I feel like in a sense, they were calling those penalties because they did call it on Texas. My, maybe it should have been called, but I don't think it's a deciding factor i I think it's a discretionary call there he still had a chance to make the catch
1: and you know (laughs) it's just one of those things with pi man i'll tell you what it's 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 so hard to determine where these refs are going to be beginning of the game to the late of the game are they going to stay consistent because they haven't been all year uh it's been kind of kind of a crapshoot on how they would call the game from the beginning to the end uh in this particular play i lean towards it wasn't because he was i snapped his head around he was looking at the ball kind of thing and then once he once the quarter cornerback does that it's almost if he concentrates on the ball any contact most of the time the refs kind of let it go as long as he's focusing on the ball. Um and I think that's kind of what happened in this particular situation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I still framed it. Um, you know, I'm watching it right now. I've been watching it on a loop uh, just, just to see it again. And I think you could call it like Blake said, because it had been called against Texas a couple times. I think two, at least two or three. Um, I think two, like you said, Blake, I feel like there might've been one more, but I'm pretty sure it's two, like you said. Uh I'm, I'm looking at it right now and yeah, he, I mean, he climbed up and he was making a play on the ball, but while the ball was still in flight, he did. He put that hand around his shoulder, you know, come, came back, but he was watching the ball. He came in for the SWAT. So it could be as tick for tack, man. But if you're calling it earlier, you got to call it there. Uh, but again, you know, these refs like Trevor said, they've been hit and miss most of the season. Uh, so I, I think it's tough for, for Texas. I think, the ball probably could have been a little bit better placed by yours, you know, to, but he didn't make a play on it. It was right in his hands. Uh, but, I mean, he, there was also ability for that that corner safety to get over top. Uh, so it's tough. I mean, I think, like you said, if he, if he called it another times, you need to call it there. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to have an argument on it, you know, too much. And, uh, and people tripping out about it, saying that lost in the game. No, there there was other things that lost Texas that that football game. I but will say that's though, just uh,
2: I was fairly pleased with the officiating in the Bama game. I yeah. feel like they let them play. They did. You know, there was there was things that could have been called on both sides, but I w- nothing drastic to me. You know, the the ones that stand out for each would obviously be the hitting the punter and mm-hmm. then Bama was slinging. I yeah. think it was JJ down out of bounds. Yeah. They let both of those go, but aside from those two, I didn't see many just downright blatantly missed calls. Um, yeah, they they let the defenders get handsy. They let the offensive linemen get handsy, and yeah, but it was on both sides. That was probably one of the better officiated games I've seen all season. Yeah,
1: I agree. Absolutely agree. It sets the path. i I felt, I thought that that Big Twelve crew goes to the Natty and does it there too.
2: No yeah, shit, I, that was. I liked that crew.
1: Absolutely,
0: uh, like I said, you're kind of surprised they didn't call some of them. But again, they just let them play. You don't want to see refs take over a game. That's yeah. the last thing you want to see. Throw it when I it needs to be thrown, but do not take over the damn football game.
2: Right. I don't mind missed calls as long as it's consistent. Yes. Like if they're gonna let uh like hold, holding calls, I, I hate them. At, at it's hard to put into words here, but especially when they don't affect the outcome of the play. Like if Mm -hmm. there's a play going to the left and the far right receiver grabs the corner, it doesn't really have an effect on the play. But I mean, I get it's still a penalty, but they may do that for one team and then you see it eight plays later on the other team and they don't call it. That's when it's frustrating. You know, if they did it for one, or for both, it's not that bad. I can get by with it. But the way they called the Bama game, if every game was called like that, football would be a much better place.
0: Absolutely. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. And I, I agree with you, Trevor. Put them in the national championship and and, and let the guys go out and play. Uh, that's it, how it should be. I don't know. Uh, well, guys, that's, that's all I'm tracking on this episode. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, you know, obviously – more in depth on the the big games Uh, but really just what a great season all around for everybody obviously our teams all did you know did well and are still you know obviously in contention here so it's been a really awesome season to do our first season uh, you know with the podcast Um, after this show we're going to do a breakdown you know of of the national championship game and then go on from there and and uh, maybe take a little break and work on getting this uh, YouTube channel up. And that, that's our next big thing. We've mentioned it. Uh, so there, we've, got, we've got a lot of things we're doing. We love doing this. It's been a lot of fun uh, connecting with some friends, uh, you know, other accounts. Uh, so we, we appreciate all of our fans, all, all of our listeners, uh, you know, family and friends that listen. We, we always appreciate you. And, of course, the questions that come in. Uh, so, guys, that being said, anything else, uh, last last minute thoughts, round robin before we uh, sign out?
2: Yep, I got to, one, you have to shout out Casper for winning y'all's pick. You told him you would. <laughs> um, so, there you go. Uh, two, I just got to toot my own horn here. Preseason, I picked four out of five conference champions. Mm-hmm. My four conference champions I picked was the final four of the playoff. And I picked Michigan and Washington in the national championship. And I picked Michigan winning the national championship in August. Mic drop.
0: You did. Oh, hey, that that reminds me. We need to do our picks on this. Uh, I think (laughs) it's pretty obvious.
2: (laughs) I picked Uh, Washington.
0: But, yeah. Michigan. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go Michigan on this uh soccer ends, but truly, when you look at it and break it down, I feel like Michigan has the edge here uh well
2: Michigan's gonna win it. I'm only picking Washington so statistically there's not a tie
0: fair I don't enough. wanna end on a tie uh, but yeah, props our own our very own Blake Owens. what a great you know season of picks on him uh you know picking the the final four and you know the conference championships uh. No he did great Trevor he had some
1: I was about to say something so if you really want to pick Michigan Blake there is a way to not be tied and we could pick the the FCS championship game
0: <laughs> oh well, okay there's there's two ways here Let, let's let's throw something out real quick just because we're you know I we're mean, tied by the seat of our pants here. We do, we do this. It's the same way in college pick them. It's you pick whoever you think is going to win. The tiebreaker goes to score. Okay. You pick let's, the do,
1: let's do of that. The national championship. Blake, I, we, I will. So, we will allow you to switch it up to Michigan because we know you really want to pick them.
2: I really don't. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope y'all are suffering like I am next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But I will pick Michigan cuz I do think they're going to win the game and I'll pick the score. All right. I'm going to say Give me your uh, scores, boys. I'm going to say Michigan 34, Washington 31. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. See, I'm going to be a little more
1: bold with it. I think Michigan 41, I think, and Washington 31.
0: Okay. I, I guess I'll throw mine out. It doesn't matter. I lost. But uh, I'm kind of kind of in the same mindset of uh, probably right in between. I, I'd say Michigan would probably score 38 points. And uh, I've got Washington scoring 28. Uh, probably, you know, maybe a turnover with how much they pass. And I, I think Pennix does tend to lob them up sometimes. Uh, so watch for Rod Moore in this game. So I'm going 38-28 is what I'm going to roll with. Uh, Michigan getting the win. Uh, late, a late, late score by Michigan to extend that lead. Uh, but yeah. So again, thank you guys. We, we appreciate you. Uh, tune into the game. It's going to be a hell of a battle. We'll have your, uh, your recap on it, you know, after the game, of course. Uh, so thanks again for listening to uh, the gridiron uncensored with, with the, the usual crew and obviously kicking it with the gridiron boys. That's what, that's what we do.
1: Have a good one.